right, we're continuing in the story of Joseph. Uh, the passage finds us today in Genesis uh, chapter 42. Uh, we're going to start at verse 29 in chapter 42 and go through uh, verse 43, verse 14 in chapter 43. Uh, in the story, uh, Joseph is, of course, in Egypt. He's, he's been empowered by the Pharaoh. Uh, the famine comes up, and uh, the brothers of Joseph, uh, are, they all come, and they're seeking grain. They're coming to buy grain from Joseph, um, they don't, and when they see him, they don't know it's him. Uh, the last time they saw Joseph, he was a boy. The last time he saw them, they were grown men. And so he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And so he says to them, uh, you know, why are you here? And they say, well, we, we're just coming to buy grain and, and everything. And he says, well, you're spies. You're spies. You, you came to spy out the land. And he, he knew that wasn't the case. He was just giving them a hard time. Uh, I, I could see him trying to just relishing in that moment a little bit, just a little bit. And so he gives them a hard time. Oh, you're spies. You come to, to see the weakness of the land. And, and, and they said, no, we're not spies. No, sir, we're, we're not spies. Uh, we just came to buy land. As a matter of fact, we're all brothers. We come from the same place. Uh, we're, the, we're all the children of one man. As a matter of fact, we have one more brother who didn't come along for the trip. He's back home. And so Joseph, uh, he's testing them a little bit. And so he says, well, prove it. If, if you're not lying to me, then prove it. Go home and get your brother. He, he has them, he throws them in the prison for a few days, but then he allows them to go back home. He keeps one of the brothers there just for collateral, Simeon, but he allows the other brothers to go back home. And so when they get back home, uh, they come to Jacob, their father. And so Jacob, we, we came to the land and, and the, the, the leader of Egypt, this is what he told us to do. He told us to come back here and get our, our, our little brother and, and then come back and, and we'll be able to get, get more. And, and so Jacob is, he's upset by this. He's upset by this. Their, their youngest sibling is the only other child of his favorite wife, the one who he truly loved, Rachel. And so he doesn't want Rachel. Uh, he doesn't want Benjamin uh, the, the only other son by Rachel that he thinks is alive anyways uh, to go. And so here in this story, uh, you see this dialogue, this dialogue between Jacob and the sons that let you know, that lets us know that Jacob is hurt. Jacob is hurt. And he fathers from a place of hurt. Jacob is hurt and he fathers from a place of hurt. Jacob has been hurt by Esau. Since he, was, since he was a boy, he's been hurt by his brother Esau. He was cheated by his uncle Laban. And in losing his son Joseph, he's even more hurt. And so this hurt, we all go through hurt in life, but what cripples Jacob is that he fathers from this place of hurt. And as we all know, hurt people hurt people. Jacob fathers from a place of hurt. And, and, his, and he treats them and he talks to them disrespectfully. 
Jacob is a, a good man, but he is not a good father. He is not a good father. And so I want to, on the backbone of what we see Jacob doing, I want to talk about something that uh, I know in the, the four or five years I've been at Radius White know that we've never, a subject we've never really breached, uh, and that's father wounds. Uh, you may have heard it referred to as, as daddy hurt, uh, daddy wounds. Uh, today, uh, most, mostly it's called uh, father wounds, and so we, we want to talk about it today. And so even before we, we, we breach this subject, I want to I wanna pray for your heart. Uh, as you receive this message, I want to pray uh, that the Holy Spirit would, would speak to you and, um, during these moments. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. God, I acknowledge that uh, as we uh, begin to preach today, that this message is yours, not mine. And so, God, I would ask that you would speak during these moments. I would ask that you would dominate this time uh, for your glory, Father. God, we thank you for meeting us in this place. Uh, we love you, and it, uh, we need to hear from you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Father wounds, father hurt. It is described as or defined as hurt or life disadvantage caused by a father. Hurt or life disadvantage caused by the father. Uh, I do want to go to the scripture because I want you to see this in scripture. Um, Let's start at verse uh, 36. Let's go to 36. I've summarized all, I've summarized the passage already, but I want to. I want you to see this particular thing in the story. At verse 36, and it says, And Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin. All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you. Uh, the, the particularly hurtful thing, he's saying, my son won't go with you, but he is his son. The guy who he's talking to is his son, and, and, but he doesn't even regard him as such. He says, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is the only one left. This is a man that has 12 children. He's the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to shell. Now the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from me, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. But Judah said to them, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send them, we will not go down for the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel said, why do you treat me so badly? As to tell the man you had another brother. They replied, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him uh, was in answer to these questions. Could we in any way no, that he would say, bring your brother down. Joseph is, he is fathering from this place 
of deep hurt. Deep hurt. And so he, he, he treats them disrespectfully. He talks to them disrespectfully. This, this idea of father hurt is a global epidemic. It is a global epidemic. Whether you're talking about the country with billions and billions of dollars or the tribe in the middle of nowhere. Uh, this is a global epidemic and it's happening everywhere. This is not what we would call a first world problem. Jacob, uh, he fails to affirm them. Jacob fail, he runs from conflict. And he is slow to forgive his very own children. And when you think about this today, dad's in the room. I want, to, I want you to think about, well, what kind of father are you? But then all of us, I want you to think, what kind of father did I have? What kind of father did you have? We all have been wounded by our fathers in some way, but what kind of father did you have? There was the father that's not there, the absent father. Was your father the absent father? Grew up not knowing him. Was your father the drill sergeant? And he thought that you, his family was his troop and, and that he only, he only barked orders. He thought that leadership was barking orders. But somehow he, he missed that he should also affirm you and build you up. Was your father the nice guy? Probably one most, most huggable in high school. He was a, a really nice guy. He was a great guy. Everybody loved him, but he's afraid of conflict. And so the problems that arose in your house, he refused to meet head on. The next is the statue. He was just there. Just, just in the house. No presence, no voice, a void of leadership, just literally just in the house. May have, the, the statue may have sat on the couch all evening until late at night, watching TV, refusing to, to engage his family in any way. Was he the avoider? The avoider, most, uh, most avoiders use a couple of different things uh, to avoid. Uh, I've seen some avoiders use comedy to avoid. They, and so he's, he, he, he chose to... Uh, to cover the problems instead of dealing with them, he just, he, he just made everything a joke. Everything was funny. And so of dealing with things head on, instead of that, he made a joke about everything. Or did he avoid by substance abuse? Through drinking or what have you. Now there are maybe those of you who, who, who say, well, Derek, my father isn't any of those. My father was a good man who led our house spiritually. He taught us evangelism. He was an evangelist in our house. He, he, was, he was the priest in our house, as the Bible says he should be. But then he wasn't just all, uh, you know, uh, uh, militaristic. He was passionate. He was sensitive toward us. He, he affirmed us and loved us. 
I saw him pursue my mother, but then he pursued us as kids. Okay, if this is your father, you have to know that in our society, maybe not in this building, because we have some good men in this building. Boy, we have some good men in this room. Now, your father may not be a, a, a rarity in this building, but in regards to our society, if that is your father, you are a unicorn. In, in regards to the world we live in, if that, if I am describing, if I just described your father, that good man that just did everything right, you are a unicorn. This, this, why do father wounds run so deep? Number one, father wounds run so deep because God has given so much power to the father. The, the father has the most influence of anyone in the family. And that is just his God-given position. The, the, fa- the, the father is so powerful that if fathers would father the right way, if fathers would father according to scripture, then it doesn't matter who the president is. As a matter of fact, if we would be, if, if we knew the scriptures like we should, and, and we knew the influence, the power that fathers have on our, in our country, we would, we would care more uh, about being a father, dads, than you did about who was the next president. Fathers have more influence over our country than any president has ever had. And the devil's also aware of that power. Mark 3 and 27 says this. Interesting scripture. It says, but no man can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. So this, this shows you the, 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 the layout of the thief. That the thief says, comes into the house and says, okay, I got to bind the strong man. But then once I bind the strong man, then I can plunder the house. Once I get the man tied up, then I can get the TV. Not mine, it's, plastic, it's, it's molded to the wall. But, it's, but then I can get the jewelry. Then I can get whatever money is in the house. But I, I, I first, I got to deal, I got to find where the man is and I got to deal with him. And once I get him tied up, then I can plunder the house. This is what the thief is thinking about. These are the words of Jesus himself in Mark 3 and 27. That the thief is thinking, okay, I want the house, but I have to take care of the man first. Mind you that the thief isn't trying to steal the man. What thief breaks into a house and kidnaps the dad? (laughs) But if he's smart, he'll deal with the dad first so that he can get the house. And the devil knows that he must deal with our fathers, but he must bind our fathers before he can have our families. He knows that he must bind our fathers before he can have our communities. He knows that he must deal with our fathers before he can have our country. And so what you see, even biblically, as Jesus so eloquently laid it out, is that the thief says, 
I'm going to deal with the man first so that I can have the things that I want to have. So that I can steal what I want to steal. And so if this, this, this scripture is, is, if there's any truth in this, what you will see is a domino effect of things that are stolen once the dad, once the father has been bound. And so you have to know that the devil in attacking and binding our men and binding our fathers, he's not trying to steal our fathers. Well, then what is he really after? What is the domino effect that comes from our fathers being bound? I want you to know that 81% of teen pregnancies come from a home that is fatherless. That's what he's really after. He never wanted the man. 80% of, I'm sorry, 71% of men who are in jail, not of men, 71% of people who are in jail, whether it be men or women, come from a fatherless home. 71%. That's what the thief was really after. It even has economic impact. That 41% of people who come from a fatherless home will be poorer than their father. Most prostitutes, it is a fact that most prostitutes come from a home where they didn't have a father. Most women who are, sex, who are uh, a victim of sex trafficking come from a home where they didn't have a father. of children in the U.S. will go to bed tonight and there will be no man in the house. There is this, what has happened is, and it is what Malachi describes, that the heart of children have been turned away from fathers and the hearts of fathers have been turned away from their children. This is what we are seeing in our country. And Malachi describes it as a curse. As a curse. The day when children, when when their hearts won't be, when their hearts will be turned away from their fathers and the hearts of fathers will be turned away from their children. And this, this is what we see being played out in our culture. The hearts of children all over our nation turned away from the fathers. The hearts of fathers turned away from the children. And you have no more to do than watch TV than to see this truth played out. Every dad, most every dad on TV is a joke. A funny man. Someone not to be taken seriously in the house, uh, whether it be modern family. Everybody loves Raymond. Gilmore Girls, The Simpsons, The Carmichael Show, Home Improvement, Meet the Browns, The Middle, Family Guy. This is the perspective that our society has on fathers. Dads, they think we're a joke. They don't take us seriously. The hearts of, of people have been turned away from fathers. The image of fathers have been destroyed. Do you not know, one of the most impactful books I've ever read uh, is a book, uh, I, would, I would suggest it to anyone here. 
Uh, it's not a, 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 a big book, but it's extremely powerful. Uh, came out a couple hundred years ago. Uh, it's called The Making of a Slave by a man named Willie Lynch. And Willie Lynch was writing this book to people, uh, particularly in the Americas, but, but it was available to anyone, um, telling them, and he was laying out the steps that they should go through in taking a man, a woman, a child, and, and creating a slave. One of the first things he says to do is he says, you have to turn, turn the young against the old. He says, you have to turn the sons against the fathers. And how many, and I, I would say, I would, I would recommend this book to, I would recommend the book to any, any, any young black man or older, because it would help you to give you some insight as to some of the hurdles that we face as, 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 as black men and trying to overcome those hurdles. But it would, it would give anyone here insight as to some of the things that the devil is trying to do to us as God's people. Because the, the devil's trying to enslave us. I, I don't know whether you know it or not, but the devil is trying to enslave us. And Willie Lynch would say that if you're going to make a slave, one of the first things you need to do is destroy the image of the father. And so you would, you would beat the father and humiliate him. He says you wouldn't kill him. Don't kill him. But you beat him to within inches of his life. Why? Because you want and you do it in front of the, you do it in front of the female, you do it in front of the wife, and you do it in front of the kids because you want to destroy their image of him. And the devil's trying to destroy. Look at TV. The devil's trying to destroy the images of our fathers. I believe that's even partly where the gender confusion comes from. Even in, in, in this book and where, 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 the, uh, the, where you destroy the image. It's, gosh, this book is so crazy. You, you destroy in front of them the image of the father, which makes the wife become more independent. And in the wife becoming more independent, she's, she's, she's having to fulfill a role she's not used to which throws off the balance of the family. And when in men, when you, when you don't step up and be a man and a father in the home like you should, then you put weight on your wife's shoulders and she's having to be something she is not. Which, which creates confusion. When men refuse to step up, it makes everybody's roles, it creates confusion. What am I supposed to do? Keep in mind in Mark 3 and 27, when, when the man is not killed, uh, when, when Jesus is talking here in Mark 3 and 27, that the, the, the man, it says you go into the house and you bind the strong man, you don't kill him. He is bound. And when, some, when someone is bound, there are just things that they are limited from being able to do. And, 
and Jacob is bound. There's just things he doesn't do. When I looked up the, the top five things that a, that a father is uh, needed to do in a home, uh, I found protection. A father, a good father is expected to protect. Not only physically, men, we, we, we go right to the, the, the physical and you think, well, when you think about protection, you think about where your rifle is. And that's good. That has its place. But we not only have an obligation to protect physically, but we have to protect spiritually. You are, every home in the Red Bank community is much more likely to be robbed spiritually than robbed physically. It is much more likely in in, in any home and every home that is in our community that the devil would come in your home. It is more likely that the devil will come in your home and steal than that someone would break in your house and steal your belongings. And so don't be quick to grab the rifle, but then not quick to, to, to protect spiritually. Don't be quick to grab the rifle, but then slow to bring your family to church. Don't be quick to grab the rifle. Don't, don't know, know where the gun is. You know, oh, oh every man, is, oh, I know, I know where my gun is. It's under the pillow. It's, you know, it's in the couch, whatever. That's, that's good. I'm not belittling that. But don't do that, but then be slow to grab your family's hands and pray with them. We as fathers not only have the obligation of protecting physically, but protecting spiritually. He is expected to provide. He is expected to be a presence. He is, it, it is necessary that he prays. We don't see in scripture, we don't find Jacob. We only see him telling them bad things, uh, belittling them and, 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 and speaking at them with a the slant. We don't see him affirming his kids. And he pursues. And I've, I've, I've heard this lie so many times, and I've heard it from people particularly who have gone through things and their father not provided things. And they say, well, I don't, well, I don't need it. What he, what he didn't give me, Derek, I don't, I don't need it. And, and the truth is, that's a lie. You do need it. The position, God put fathers in a position to give his family things that they need. The Bible says in Proverbs 17 and 6 that the glory of the child is the father. God says to his son, Jesus, he says, "You you are my son, I love you, and I'm well pleased with you. If Jesus needed that affirmation, God cracks the window, God cracks the sky and tells Jesus, hey, you are my son. I love you and I'm pleased with you. We need it too. Looking at the the effects that it has when a father doesn't, father like he should, the effects that it has on both men and women. Uh, I saw a study where it, it, it talked, it, it interviewed in the study, it interviewed men who had formerly been involved in prostitution. Men who had formerly been involved in some way in prostitution. 
And those men would say that any woman is not pimpable. Any woman can't be made into a prostitute. But what, but what those, those guys look for, they look for women who didn't receive things that they needed from their fathers. The, the study proved that, and, and those guys would even say, it is uncanny what a woman will do when there are holes that have been left by her father. That she will even go against, many times, she will even go against her morals to fill that void. Fathers, your, your, your young ladies need you. I, I have a son, and so I, I, I take great pride in being the father of a, of a young man. But uh, we would be remiss to, to think, we would be ridiculous to think that, that, that our girls don't need us. Our girls need us. They need you to look them in the eye and tell them that they're beautiful. They, they, need, you to, they, they need you to look them in the eye and tell them, that they're amazing and they're incredible. So that when some slick talking guy comes along and tells them that they're beautiful, that they're not hearing it for the first time. The effect that it has on men when a father doesn't father like he should. There is a, a thing, an, an epidemic that has just come along recently within our society. It is called extended adolescence. That when a father doesn't father like he should, then it forces the son many times because his development doesn't take place uh, as fast as it should. Then what you have in many, many young men is extended as adolescence where he is displaying uh, uh, traits of a teenager well into his 20s and 30s. Uh, some signs of extended adolescence where you have young men, 20s and 30s, who don't see the beauty of marriage. When, when, when they, they have this avoidance of marriage and the marriage, ew. And, and they are running from what the, this position that, that is their God-given place. If you're fathered correctly, this should be something that should rise up in you as a young man. It shouldn't, shouldn't come up at 15. But at some point in, 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 in your 20s or 30s where, where you want to be, you want to lead a family. You, you, wanna, you, you don't want to have 10 women. You want to marry one. If you're fathered correctly, You don't want 10 women with 10 different things that you like. You want one woman with all the different things that you like. Where something rises up inside of you and, and just one day, you just, I want to be a father. By one woman. I want to be a father. And, and this, with these young men in extended adolescence, they, they don't want to get married. Uh, it is a fact, uh, men in their 20s, that between men and women in their 20s, it is more likely that the man will not have a license than the woman. A driver's license, that is. It is more likely for men in their 20s in our country, 
it is more likely that a man in his 20s will live with his mother than with his wife. If you find a man and he's in his 20s and you were to survey, take a survey, it's more likely that if, it, if that man is in his 20s, it's more likely that he's living with his mama than it is that he's living with a wife. Extended adolescence. Playing video games. It is now a, a proven fact that men between 17 and 26 are the biggest audience of video games. And here, here I thought it was 12 and 13 year old kids. No, it's grown men with light bills. It's still, still playing, uh, still playing Call of Duty. Grow up. I, I remember I had a PS3. I remember I'll never forget the day I threw. I, I threw my. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I had a PS2 actually. Uh, PS2, and for those of you who don't know, a PS2 you can you can watch DVDs on it. It's not just video games. You can watch DVDs. It's it's actually pretty incredible. But you got to grow up. I remember I was playing. I used to play it every night till two or three in the morning. I'd get off work, uh, go to the weight room, get dinner, come home, and I would play video games till I fell asleep. And then I met Tessa. I never forget the first day she walked in my apartment, and the PS2 was on the ground, uh, on the on the floor in the middle of the living room. I said, "Babe, that's just that's just how I watch my movies." <laughs> oh, you thought I was playing video games? No, that's just how I watch my movies. Uh, you know. Uh, and I, I sold it the next day. Literally, I, true story. I sold my PS2 the next day because I said she will not take me seriously as a man if I'm still playing video games around here. Extended adolescence. Another tragic byproduct of, of when fathers don't father like they should is that it creates a bad view of God. This may be the worst. It creates a, a defaulted, a, a messed up view of God. Most people, their view of God is either a projection or a rejection of the earthly father. For many people, their view of God is either a projection or a rejection of the earthly father. Atheist, I got no dad. Agnostic, I never met him. Deus, he's not involved in my life. Armenian, he lets me do whatever I want to do. Calvinism, he is overbearing, domineering, and not very nice. Liberal, he actually buys my beer for me. When another byproduct of this, this messed up view of God, when, when, when people aren't fathered like they should, if there is a hesitancy most times to, to see God as father. When, when you don't have a, and this isn't, this isn't you know, all the way across the board, but many times when, when the father doesn't do his job, there is a hesitancy to see God as father. And so what you have is this great emphasis put on Jesus. And it's, everything's Jesus, 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 Jesus. Don't get me wrong. 
let me just go ahead and say, I love Jesus. Okay? We need Jesus. But you do realize that part of Jesus' job is to point you to the Father? Please, and, and, and as we relate and enter into relationship with a triune God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please don't miss out on the aspect of the relationship with relating to God as Father. Please don't relate to the Holy Spirit and relate to Jesus, the Savior, but, don't, but miss out on God, the Father. It is actually Jesus himself who points us to God. Jesus, when in referring to God, Father is the favorite term that Jesus uses. Jesus calls God Father more than he calls him anything else. 165 times in scripture, Jesus calls God Father. He is laying the foundation for us in doing this as believers that he calls God Father. Part of the job is the spirit is to get you to Jesus. Within the the, the Trinity, this triune God that we are in relationship with, Part of the job is the spirit of the spirit is to get you to Jesus, to get you to see the work of the cross. John 16 lets us know that the spirit guides us into all truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. Part of the job is the, of the spirit is to get you to Jesus, to his work on the cross. And part of Jesus's job is to point you to the father. Jesus said in John 14, that no one comes to the father, but by me. Part of Jesus' job is to point us. The, the, we, it, it, I see so many times within Christianity this emphasis that starts with the Spirit and then gets to Jesus and then stops at Jesus. When if you read your Bible, Jesus is pointing you to the Father. Not to belittle Jesus. We, we need Jesus, not to belittle Jesus' role in all this. But Jesus himself points us to the Father. 165 times he says this. The Bible says in Galatians 4 that we are given the Holy Spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father. The the Holy Spirit, just having the Holy Spirit inside of you, you just have this desire to look to God as Father. Why do you think we love superheroes so much? We have this inborn desire, this inborn thing. We just want somebody to step in front of us and say, don't worry about it. I got this. Don't worry about it. I got it. Don't you know that is the same thing that God does? In a little something we call substitutionary atonement. We're going to celebrate it in in, in, in not too long here in Easter. I don't want to give away Easter, but in this thing called substitutionary atonement, that Jesus switches place with us. He takes our sin, we take his righteousness. And him paying the price for us, he takes our sin, we take his righteousness. Why is that important? Matthew 3 and 17 Jesus, uh, God is talking to Jesus and he says, 
You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That verse is so powerful, you don't even know. He says, you're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. One of the reasons that is so meaningful is because when God tells Jesus this, he hasn't done anything yet. He hadn't walked on water. He hadn't healed anybody that we know of scripturally. His ministry hadn't started. And God says, I'm pleased with you. You are my son. I love you. And I'm pleased with you. That's for all the, the, the workers. And the same way that, Jesus, that God feels about Jesus, the father feels about you. That we are the sons of God. He is pleased with you. Uh, God's favor is not something that Jesus retrieves. It is something he just receives. And in being the sons of God, the, the love and the favor of our God is something that we just receive. Jesus hadn't done anything. And God is saying, I'm well pleased with you. And when Jesus took our sin and we took his righteousness, as, and God looks on us as the sons of God, the children of God, he's well pleased with us. Because when he looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. I don't know what kind of father you had grown up. Uh, I, I don't know what you dealt with. And, but I, I do want you to know that God the Father in his relationship with you, desires to mend your, your viewpoint of what a father should be. That your, it is truth that your, your viewpoint of what a father should be should not come from your earthly father, but from your heavenly father. And God has a desire to mend that. Uh, whatever hurt that you've experienced, uh, your earthly father may or may not ever work through that with you. He may or may not ever apologize. But regardless of what you've gone through, God wants to heal you. Through his relationship with you, he is your father. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you, God, for being our father. Um, God, help us as your people not to miss out on that aspect of being in relationship with you. Um, God, I ask that you would uh, look on all of the hurt in this room that came from father wounds, that came from men who just didn't do it right. Uh, I ask that you would heal those things in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for being a good father. Uh, we look to you as our father. Um, please heal us as we walk with you. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.